Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us as we continue our series, Dinner with Jesus. Today, we look at another story of Jesus and food, only this time Jesus has been fasting. Our guest speaker today is Gil Stiglitz, whose message is titled, Dining with the Devil. Gil reminds us that the devil is always trying to trap us and box us in so we can't live the life that God wants us to live. Listen as we get some techniques that help us push back against the devil. All right. It is is a great treat to be here in El Sobrani. First, it's great to be here on Father's Day, and I'm excited I get to go to lunch with my dad. He turns 89 next month. He comes here on a regular basis to church, so he's just very fun. And uh, also, the Warriors won the championship. It's amazing. That's like major cool. I think it was like one or two the last time they did that, you know. Uh, uh, and uh, actually, I was a little older than that, uh, but uh, we won't talk about that. Uh, I believe that God wants to encourage us in some ways that uh, maybe we haven't explored before. When I was a uh, young, probably third grader, fourth grader, I think one of my teachers gave me a project to try and trap something in the backyard. So I got a box like this and I set it you know, up on uh, some part of the backyard that was supposed to be uh, ready for that kind of thing. And I put some carrots and whatever I was trying to capture, a squirrel or something. And uh, I laid in the backyard for hours just waiting for the thing. And I was watching it and watching it. And the only thing that ever went in there was the family dog. Uh, so finally, I just couldn't take it. So I just trapped the family dog. But I, I make for a lousy trapper. But what I did notice was that... Once you got something, even if it was the wrong thing in there, you had it. And I believe that the devil is trying to do the same thing to us. In a very crude but effective way, he tries to lure us into a place in which he boxes us in and we can't live the life that God would have us live. And that he gets us to make some choices, to move in some directions, and then he boxes us in. And that's what I want to talk to you about this evening uh, or this morning here, this idea of eating with Jesus but dining with the devil. Uh, when Dave asked me to talk about the idea of something that involved Jesus eating, I was in the midst of working on a book called Delighting in Jesus, and I, I just said, you know, one of the chapters is about when Jesus, is, Jesus fasts and doesn't eat, and that's when he's weak and the devil comes and attacks him. So I thought, that's what I'll talk about. I'll just include the chapter that we're working on in this book, Delighting in Jesus, to explain something that we're all going through. What Jesus faced in the temptation when he'd been fasting and learning some things from God the Father is the same kinds of things that we go through. It's just we don't know it when we read that passage. So if I can explore that passage a little bit with us, you'll begin to realize, whoa, Jesus faced three temptations, and we face three, at least three, if not some more temptations. So how is the devil trying to steal your future? Right now, God wants to work with you to expand and explore new wonderful things about life. 
And the devil wants to put you in a box and hold it down and keep you from being what God could have you be in your family, in your personal life, in your finances, educational life. And what I want to talk about is he's using the same strategies. And if we'll get a handle on them, we can push back and not let him not be lured in there so that he can trap us. Now, right before I get to start, I have to tell you that according to the New Testament, God tells us there's eight ways to resist when the devil tries to lure you or tempt you. Now, what's interesting about this particular passage in Scripture in Matthew chapter 4 is God in Jesus uses the same sixth technique to push back against the devil every time. It's just fascinating. He just uses this one. And so we're going to jump into that um, and we're going to talk our way through that one particular technique. But if you wanted to learn more ways, because you just feel I met a woman right after first service. She said, boy, the devil's really been after me this uh, this particular week. I would want you to know how do you resist what the devil's doing in your life in a in the biggest way possible. Let's take a look at the scriptures in Matthew chapter four, verse 11. If you have your Bibles, you can open there or you can just look up here on the screens. This is the passage we want to take a look at. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry and the tempter came to him. Now, notice that's very interesting. He's up there for 40 days and 40 nights, not eating. And then the tempter comes and says to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then, and again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and behold, the angels came and began to minister to him. In each one of those cases, the devil's trying to get... Jesus to betray the mission that he's on. Now let's take a look at this whole process. Jesus spends 40 days out in the desert. Most scholars tell us it was most likely kind of the the final tune-up before the ministry started. And he's hearing from God the Father and God the Holy Spirit as to what his mission is going to be, how long it's going to last, who he needs to recruit, where he's supposed to go, that kind of thing. He spends 40 days not eating, just praying, hearing, interacting with God to get ready for the mission. And then right after that, the tempter comes to tempt him to betray the mission he's just learned about, to be the savior of the world. The first temptation he faces is the appeal to his independence. In other words, you can handle this on your own. Now, how many of you have ever been tempted to tell people like your parents or other people that you don't need them? A few of us, yeah. The rest of you are just afraid to say it. Okay, now, what what happens is, is that we get tempted to be independent. We get tempted to say, I can do this on my own. Tempted to move away from relationships, jobs, interactions that we really need. Now, we see this in Jesus' life right here. Now, you kind of have to pay attention because it's different with Jesus. And you kind of have to understand that story. Let's take a look at this. 
Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now, how does that relate to independence? Well, Jesus is the Son of God. He is the second person of the triune God. And yet when he came to earth, the Bible tells us in Philippians that he laid aside his own independent use of his deity or his Godhead. In other words, when he came and became a man, he no longer used his own deity to live. When he walked on the water, that was not him. That was God, the Holy Spirit and God, the Father walking on the water through him. Because it would be pretty easy to live this life if you were God, right? Zap. Zap, if you don't like people, and just just take care of stuff. And so that wouldn't have been difficult, but he could not have been the savior of the world if he was being God, just living and plowing through life. So what he did was he reduced himself, the Bible says, to where he was dependent completely on what the Spirit of God said and what God the Father said on what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And because he lived his whole life perfectly dependent upon God, he is the perfect example for us. He's the perfect example for us. If he had said, well, I can handle this and just, you know, move a few people out of the way, every miracle he did was in dependence upon God. So what the devil is tempting him here with, the devil is tempting him, you're God, why don't you just turn a few of these stones into bread? Now, I've never been tempted to turn stones into bread because I don't I'm not God. I don't have that ability, but I have been tempted to do some other things that I do have the ability to do. One of the things that gets me in trouble is my mouth. I've been tempted. I know this probably doesn't happen to you. I get tempted to when I'm in a room full of people who aren't telling the truth to tell the truth on people to say things I shouldn't say. In fact, sometimes I'll say things like, I probably shouldn't say this, but it's even my own body telling me, shut up. (laughs) Have you ever had that? I remember my fourth grade teacher used to say, do you have a slide connected to your brain that as soon as an idea comes, it just bums right out your mouth? And one of the things that God has to do is say, he has to kind of slow that independent streak that says, I'm going to tell you what I think. And What happens is all of us have that sense in which I know what to do. I can handle this. I can be the person who does what's supposed to be done. And we watch people destroy their marriages, destroy their financial lives, destroy their jobs, because they got to prove I'm better than you. I'm bigger than you. I can handle this. And this is the temptation that we face that Jesus faced. He just faced it as God. Imagine what it must be like to be starving when you can turn stones into bread. Now, let's go on. We know that the real key to success in life is teamwork, interdependence, adaptation, submission, dependence. But it feels so good to be independent. It feels so good. Did you know that the way to make your marriage work is to be interdependent, submissive one to another? And yet we don't feel that, do we? My wife and I just celebrated 27 years of marriage this last week. Our anniversary was Thursday. We had a wonderful time. And a number, it's just, it was just one. She's so amazing. And a number of people have said to her, you have done an amazing job with Gil. (laughs) She's put up with me. And there's just wonderful corrections. But 
if I had not hung around long enough for to listen to what she's thinking and how she wants to do it, I would not have become what God has allowed me to become through what she's done in my life. The same thing is true for jobs. I watch people who have good jobs, who are doing well, but because they have an idiot boss, they want to leave. They want to quit. Have you ever had an idiot boss? Yeah, yeah. Don't point at them right now if they're in the room, but... But it's almost the nature of the case that even if you have a great job, eventually they're going to put an idiot boss over the top of you. And if you quit, if you just, I don't have to put up with this, and you exercise your independence. Now, if someone's beating you or hurting you, that's a different story. But if it's just, I don't like people telling me what to do and they're not listening to me, then that's the same temptation Jesus faced when he said, turn these stones into bread. You just exercise your independence. What is, the, what is your temptation to independence? Is it rebelling from a boss? Is it quitting a marriage because he's boring or she's just not as exciting as I need? I've had as a pastor a number of young ladies, and it seems to be a new thing, an epidemic among young ladies that are saying, my husband's boring. Does he beat you? Does he hurt? No, he's just boring. And so they want to exercise their independence. And I remember one woman, I just said, ma'am, I, I care about you. I care about your husband. You have a couple wonderful daughters. And uh, if you do this and you, you just rebel from your husband because he's boring in three to five years, when you come back, I don't know that he'll want you. And I don't know that your girls will care about you. Don't do this. She did it anyway. And she wrecked her life. She wrecked her love for her children. And her boring husband went off and had a wonderfully boring, financially successful life without her. And don't do this. Some people want to rebel from a family. Do you know that when you turn 15, somehow you think you now are smarter than everyone else in the planet, especially your parents? You're not. You just feel like you are. And be very careful that you don't just say, I don't have to put up with this. I'm 15. Or 16 or 13 or whatever it is. Um, You watch the people who are successful, the people who move forward are the people who figure out a way to adapt. Now, if you're getting beaten or hurt in some way, that's a different story. Changing churches. Our church, the church, one of the churches, the church that I'm pastoring right now, is going through a lot of change. We changed our name. We changed senior pastors. We have new people and doing various things. And we have a whole bunch of people who are saying, I don't know, I can't stand all these changes. These changes are horrible. I can't stand all the changes, so I'm going to change churches. And so I remember the senior pastor said, so you don't like the changes here, so you're going to go to a different church with a different name and a different organization and a different stuff. Uh, yeah, and it, because we just feel the need to be independent. One of the things that some of us may be tempted if things don't go our way is we get tempted at times to even commit suicide. It's a it's an I'm independent. I'll tell them when I'm going to be done. Some people do it in the old life. Some people do in their teenage years. They lose a loved one or whatever else. And they're tempted by the devil to exert their control. I can end my life. And we get these at the church all the time. You don't win when you do this. It's the same as when people, when Jesus was asked, 
you can turn these stones into bread. You are tempted to be independent of the people you desperately need. Now, that's getting too convicting, so let's move on. Jesus here answers the devil with this fascinating verse. He answered and said to him, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God will bring a scripture to mind when you are being lured into an independence trap. When you are being lured into a trap from the devil that's been all set up to trap you into some kind of affair, some kind of difficult situation, right at that point, you can ask God at any point, Lord, am I being lured into something? Is this just a, it's not really from you, it's, it's from the devil. The Lord will put a verse of scripture in your mind. That's what he does there with Jesus. He brings a scripture verse to his mind and Jesus quotes it and it backs the devil up. I have to tell you, I honestly believe that God is alive. And that when I pray and I ask him for wisdom, he gives it. Now, he may not give me this verse. In fact, rarely does he give me that verse. But when I'm facing temptation and I say, Lord, I got to have some wisdom because that really looks pretty exciting. I really want to go into that box right there and eat those carrots at the back of it. He puts a verse of scripture in my mind. And then I can quote that out. That's what happens here with Jesus. The ability for Jesus to quote God the Father is what pushes back the devil. And so the devil tries again. Temptation number two. Appeal to his importance. Don't you know who I am? Have you ever, have you ever watched people who walk into a room and feel more important than the people think they are? And they have, they have this air about them that says, I am important. And you just don't know how important. And the devil tries to lure us into saying things and doing things that will show people how important we are. Have you ever, have you ever tried to let people know how important you are and look like an idiot? That's a few of us. Okay. The rest of you, you're all better than that. Look at the scripture. Then the devil took him up onto the, into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now you need to understand when this temptation comes in order to understand what it's about. Jesus has just started his ministry. He's just become clear about the fact that he's the savior of the world. He's God's choice. He is God, but veiled in human flesh. And he needs to live a perfect life and minister and raise up these disciples and then announce at the end that he's the Messiah to give the nation of Israel and the world a chance to receive him. That's three and a half years from now. What the devil is offering is, I can short-circuit that. I can let everybody know how important you are right now. Let's put you on the pinnacle of the temple, which is 200 and some feet above a bunch of jagged steps, and we'll just jump off, and we know that God will save you, and that'll prove to everyone who you are. That'll let everyone know you're wonderful. The problem was it was just three and a half years early. 
There was a time when Jesus was supposed to show himself as the Messiah. But it wasn't at this point. It was at a time which we call Palm Sunday. In which he was on the Mount of Olives and he sat on a young donkey. On a particular day in Luke chapter 19, it tells us that Jesus standing on that day, three and a half years later, he says to the Jewish authorities who are trying uh, to quiet the mob and who don't want him to be the king, he says, if you had known this day the things that make for peace. Because what's interesting about that is on that particular day, a prophecy was fulfilled that had been written and said 400 years before that that particular day the Messiah would ride into Jerusalem. And because you didn't notice him, you'll be punished. You'll be judged. What the devil was trying to do was show how important you are early. Get there early. The verse of scripture that God puts on the mind of Jesus to push back at the devil is, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you at the proper time. When the devil pushes against you, God brings a verse of scripture, if you're willing to listen, to push back at what that is. Now, let's talk about it practically in our life. We know that the key to real success is humility and teachability. How many of you have someone at your work who's kind of a know-it-all? Yeah, they come in all shapes and sizes. And are they fun to be around? They always know everything. They always know. Uh, for those of you who don't know a know-it-all at your work, you are that person. Um, and what happens, we know that humility and teachability is the way to get ahead. Now, lowering your self-focus. We have in our neighborhood a group of wild turkeys that live in the creek behind us. And during the spring of the year, they wander the streets right in front of our house in the mating rituals. And it's fascinating to watch. There are these tom turkeys, wild tom turkeys with the big, you know, ugly red stuff that falls. And, and they got purple heads and they've got the feathers. But when they, when all the women are up on the lawn eating, the men are standing in the street trying to impress the ladies so they can increase their harem. And the men kind of do this thing where they puff their feathers out. And then they do this little dance. <laughs> and then, ooh, the ladies are going, ooh, look at him, boy, look at that. And they, they kind of come to those guys. Now, that's exactly what we're like. We do all kinds of things to tell everybody else how important we are. And the devil tempts us. He tempts us with how big are your biceps? What kind of car do you drive? You know, what kind of tats do you have? What kind of handbag do you have? Where do you shop? What kind of this and that? And what happens is, if you're not careful, the devil will lure you into a race you can't win. To try and prove to people you don't even like that you're important. And this is the exact same thing that was happening to Jesus. The devil was trying to say, you are important, but nobody knows. You need to say something. You need to make a big splash. And the danger is, if we get lured 
into this thing about promoting ourselves and telling other people about what, how good and important we are, we will get locked in a box of, oh, they're a know-it-all. They're a braggadocious person. They're the person like that. And then some of the opportunities that could have been ours will not be ours. Now, that's too convicting, so let's move on. <laughs> Temptation number three that Jesus suffers here in Matthew chapter four is an appeal to his impatience. There is a song that has been popular in the past, and once I do my version of it, it will no longer be popular, <laughs> that really sums up our generation, which is, you know, was it, I don't, I don't want to wait for my life to be over. I want to feel this good right, right now. That's really a bad version. So now you know why I don't do karaoke. But you've heard that song sung by whoever it is that's supposed to be singing it or whatever else. And it keeps seeping in this idea that says, you shouldn't wait. This is exactly the third temptation that Jesus faced. The devil comes and says, you shouldn't have to wait for that. You should get it right now. You should have it right now. Now, let me show you this. Again, the devil took Jesus up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. What's interesting is, is that we know that Jesus is going to be the king of the whole world. And even the devil says, you know, basically, I know you're going to get all this, but wouldn't you like to get it early? Wouldn't you like to get it ahead of schedule? Wouldn't you like to have it before you're supposed to have it? And the devil assumes that Jesus is as impatient as us. How many of you have ever been impatient? <laughs> yeah. We want it now. And this is what the temptation is. Because Jesus is the king of the world, and he will be shown to be the king of the world when he returns. But he's not impatient like us. And the devil thinks he can play on that. Where are you tempted to be impatient? Are you tempted to be impatient with your health in terms of holding it together, fixing it up, and you break down because you're pushing it too hard? Is it sexual? If you're a teenager or an unmarried person, I, I shouldn't have to wait. Come on. I want it now. I need it now. And what happens is, is that you get tempted to move into a relationship you know is wrong just because I got to have it now or a relationship. One of the things that I tell my girls, I have three girls, one's 24, 22, and 17. You don't need a man to make you complete. The right man is a wonderful addition. The wrong man is a horrible mistake. And sometimes we get trapped into this situation that says, I've got to have that and I've got to have it right now. It could be freedom. When you're 15 or 16, you can say, these parents are never going to get it. How can I get away from them? It could be power or shopping. The, uh, do you, you know, of course, that when the stores have a sale, it's designed to play to your impatience, right? It's not because they couldn't sell it the same price later, but they need you to buy right now. It could be marriage, it could be kids, 
It could be the kids leaving. Whatever. Jesus, when the devil is tempting him to be impatient, says, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. One of the verses that the Lord irregularly brings to my mind, that I always hate it when he does, is Psalms 37, verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Lord, I don't want to be patient. I don't like being patient. Can you give it to me quicker? Is there a way to hurry it up? And usually the answer comes back, what does the verse say? What I want to help you understand is that when you are tempted by the devil to hurry up, what you know you you really shouldn't get until a little bit later. That's the devil's temptation. And the Lord will speak to you through the scriptures. He'll bring a verse of scripture to mind. If you have ears to hear it, listen for it. What are the action steps that we can take? I believe that the devil is coming at you and I in the same way that he came at Jesus. And in the same way that God the Father brought a verse of Scripture to Jesus' mind, so he will bring a verse of Scripture to our mind if we have ears to hear it. That would mean that we might need to read our Bibles, we might need to connect in a small group, we might need to understand more of what the Bible has to say so that God can speak more clearly. But let's, let's ask ourselves. The first one is, how many of you would sense that God is, that the devil, excuse me, the devil is kind of tempting you to kind of bow up as, a, as an independent person? You don't have to put up with that. How many of you would say that's what the devil might be tempting you? Okay, good. How many of you are tempted to puff out your feathers? And want to let everyone know how important you are and, uh, and let everybody know that you're really hot stuff. Nobody. This is such a humble group. This is good. This is good. Third, impatience. How many of you like me are impatient? And the devil is playing on that and he's pulling you. Understand, if he can, if the devil can, he wants to get you in there with the promise that you can get something sooner and then trap you away from the great joy, the great blessings that God has for you. I remember praying, Dear Lord Jesus, I am willing to wait for your perfect mate for me when I was about 19 years of age. I didn't realize that God was going to make me wait until 33 to get married. It wasn't that she wasn't ready. He had a lot of work to do on me before he could get me ready to introduce myself to her. And yet it's been totally worth it. She's the most amazing, wonderful companion, wife, mistress, friend, And what I would say to you is that when the devil tries to lure you with impatience to get what you've got to have or with independence or importance, listen for the whisper of God to the verse of scripture that you can push back and say, God, I'm going to, I want to wait for your best. I want to wait for your best. 
Let's pray and ask God to bring these things to our mind so that we can listen for his voice. Heavenly Father, I come in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. I come and ask that you would direct us and help us understand when the devil is trying to lure us in the wrong direction, into a box that will be trapped. Keep us out of that, Lord. Help us recognize it and push back at the devil's temptations. May we be wiser than our age, wiser than our past, wiser than our heritage, wiser than we were. And however the devil comes at us, may we win this week. In Jesus' name, amen. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the Internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.